Welcome to another episode of Follow the Brand. I am your host, Grant McGaw, CEO of Five Star BDM, a five-star personal branding and business development company. I want to take you on a journey that takes another deep dive into the world of personal branding and business development using compelling personal stories, business conversations, and tips to improve your personal brand. By listening to the Follow the Brand podcast series, you will be able to differentiate yourself from the competition and allow you to build trust with prospective clients and employers. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Make it one that will set you apart, build trust, and reflect who you are. Developing your five-star personal brand is a great way to demonstrate your skills and knowledge. If you have any questions for me or my guests, please email me at grant.magaw, spelled M-C-G-A-U-G-H, at 5star BDM, B for brand, D for development, M for masters.com. Now let's begin with our next five-star episode on Follow the Brand. With so many people and businesses looking for work, having a strong personal brand has become a necessity. A great brand is not about touting features and benefits. It's about the connection on an emotional level. It's about telling your story and building relationships. Anthony Ashby understood this early in his career as he detailed his journey from healthcare consultant to the C-suite by understanding his why. Now, Anthony is currently the VP of Operations at CHI Health Emanuel Medical Center in North Omaha and CHI Health Mercy in Council Bluffs. He oversees strategic planning as well as clinical ancillary support services, culture engagement, performance improvement, and community relations. He, can, he consistently seeks to create an environment that enables and inspires everyone to realize their meaningful impact every single day. He is deeply passionate about leveraging his role to serve the community in whatever ways he can help to mitigate adverse effects of social determinants of health. Now, he is a native of Baltimore, Maryland, and attended the University of Baltimore for his BS in accounting and MBA in healthcare administration. He is also a board certified fellow of the American College of Healthcare Executives, and he has spent his entire career in healthcare operations, beginning in consulting across the country with various hospitals and health systems and driving cost savings and operational performance processes. Now, he is fortunate to be able to serve on several local boards and committees. He is also the founding president of a new regional chapter of the National Association of Health Service Executives, or NASI for short. It's called NASI Heartland, aimed at developing and advancing black health care leaders in improving health equity in the black community. His ultimate goal for the future is to lead a health care system to reduce the cost of health care, ensure the quality of care is equitable across all population and to increase the minority representation in healthcare leadership. Let's welcome Anthony Ashby. Thank you for joining us on another episode on Follow the Brand. I'm your host, Grant McGaw, and we have a very, very special guest. We always have a special guest, but this guy here, he's super special. 
he's because <laughs> he, he's from my hometown. I mean, he's living there now. So he's not from there, but he lives there now. Mr. Anthony Ashby, he comes from Northern Virginia via Baltimore, but he ended up in Omaha, Nebraska. Not too many people in Omaha, Nebraska. So I had to let him know, yes, there are people of color that were born in Omaha, Nebraska. I am one of them, even though right now I am in Miami, Florida, but I'll be back uh, pretty soon to celebrate my family reunion. But I wanted to bring Anthony on. He works at a hospital that I know very, very well. I wasn't born there, but I know a lot about it. But I want to let you, I want you to hear from, from Anthony. Let him tell you his story. Talk about his brand, how he was able to, 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 to move from Virginia to different various places in the country to arrive at a C-suite position in Omaha, Nebraska. So take it away, Anthony. Appreciate it. Thanks, Grant. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm Anthony Ashby. Uh, born in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I'll kind of jump a little bit to to college and, you know, where I kind of started with my career. And, you know, I went to University of Baltimore. Uh, I originally uh, wanted to be a CPA. I wanted to be an accountant. So I was in an accounting program. They have a good accounting program there. Um, and about, I don't know, like halfway through, maybe I, I started doing like some internships and things like that. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if this is for me. It's kind of boring. And no offense to any accountants out there. It's a very important job, but that's kind of what like all my friends were laughing. It's like, yeah, that's why we didn't get into it. So um, I decided to start looking for for something else. I always like numbers and business and things. Um, and my advisor at the time used to be a CFO at a hospital, actually. Um, and he brought up to me, he was like, you know, you should look into healthcare administration. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. So I just really just started Google it and kind of looking around and things like that. Um, around the the same time, um, that part of my you know college career, my grandfather is actually a physician, um, and he had like a small private practice, a little nursing home, and you know some some good ventures going on. Um, and he ran into um, a lot of challenges actually on the administrative side and and maintaining those those operations, um, and really it really kind of messed up a lot of things for him. So. That's what really got my wheels turning more about healthcare administration. It's like, what what is this? And you know, what are all those challenges and, and barriers and things that go on in the hospital that aren't clinical that um that were really kind of you know tripping him up? And you know, him being a, a real role model for me, you know, I didn't I didn't quite get it. You know, was, he's traveling the world, he's doing lectures in room, he went to school for I don't know how many years. It's like, you know, he's a really smart guy. Like, how does this not um, how does this happen um, type of thing. So um, just really started to, to learn more. And that's really what kind of pushed me further into healthcare administration is, you know, how can I bring my business skills um, and kind of mindset to, to the healthcare industry to kind of help support um, people like my grandfather and other clinicians for providing care. So um, I ended up finding a consulting job at a really, really super small company. Um, because it was so small, I got a lot of experience early on and doing a lot of different things that, you know, where if you worked at a larger company, you know, you, you kind of get put in a box and you kind of just put your head down and, and do your work. Whereas I was exposed to a lot of different things and took on a lot of different projects. And um, because the company was so small, they actually didn't kind of do the thing where, you know, most consultants will fly out Sunday, come back Thursday. Um, they actually wanted they either hired people that were in the area that they had a consulting assignment or they would move people around. 
Um, and being that I was so young, I was actually working for them when I was still finishing my degree. Um, I had, you know, no kids and nothing tying me down. I was very, very mobile and down to down to go anywhere. So I remember the first time I moved out, um, I had an assignment in Denver and I actually literally sold everything that didn't fit in my car, current car I have now, and drove all the way out to Denver from Baltimore, Route 70 the whole way. I actually drove drove through Omaha. Never thought I'd be back here again, but but yeah, so I ended up there and you know, learned a lot. Um, things went well at that assignment and evolved to other assignments in Portland and I ended up in Southern California and um, then ended up a little closer back home. I'm just trying to be closer to my now wife, who's my girlfriend at the time. Um, worked at Johns Hopkins, which was kind of a dream job. And then I think one of the, the challenges that is facing the industry now in terms of like healthcare administration, there's a lot of reorganization and um, combining of C-suite roles and things like that. So I actually ended up getting uh, laid off from Johns Hopkins due to a reorg and ended up in Dallas and the same thing happened pretty quickly thereafter. So um, a lot of soul searching that way. But, you know, I think one of the strengths is that, you know, my why of being in this, in this industry is um, really what drives me and being able to support people using my business skills and um, improving healthcare. So I kind of stuck with it and just kind of kept fighting. And I ended up here um, in Omaha, Nebraska and been loving it so far. So I feel like I'm talking a lot. Like, like we can hop into questions maybe oh no this is we <laughs> want to hear hear your story and this is very very interesting and number one you went to school for being an accountant and then you made a pivot and you and you in university of baltimore had a master's degree program in health administration that you went ahead and got into and you graduated right and yep, then that was so Help me understand how how did you get that that first job? I mean, did they hire you right out of school, or they how did me. that happen? I was I was in school actually. Um, like I said, it was it was a super small company. I actually, I found it on I probably I probably found it on Craigslist. Honestly, I don't even know if that's used for anything. Craigslist. Oh, yeah, I don't I don't know if that's used for anything legit anymore. But uh, it was uh, yeah, I found it on Craigslist, and like I said, it was a small company. I just I, like I said, I kind of fell into it. So. Um, and it just like it evolved really quickly, like I said, because they were small and, you know, I was no, really you, passionate. You, you were young. And, and yeah. when you're young, you don't have the experience. You have book knowledge. Right. You don't have the yep. experience. Somebody's got to take a chance on you. And they did. But from what you're you're telling me, and I think you were there about eight, eight plus years or, or so, it gave you such a breadth of experience that you learned a great deal. Yep. Yeah, it kind of evolved and changed hands. I kind of did a little independent consulting work and worked for different kind of places that way. And uh, I think one of the things with the healthcare administration is it you got to be flexible. It's it's just so um, it's so dynamic. It's so constantly changing, just like the industry itself, which is the piece I like about it the most. But I mean, it's it's not for the faint of heart. So like I said, with, you know, it's highly regulated. There's a lot of, you know, strain on the the cost. So like I said, there's a lot of merging of roles where roles like mine currently, you know, VPs and COOs are getting um, combined. So nursing officers and operating officers are becoming one role. Mm. It, it, it makes the market a lot more challenging and it's really kind of um, making it so, you know, I kind of wanted to move around a lot when I was younger, but it's, it's kind of getting to the point where you have to really be open to um, 
like you you might be forced to move around just by nature of like i said reorgs or growth opportunities and things like that because a lot of the roles are being kind of consolidated so like i said it's not for the faint of heart but it's you know it's a it's a passion so yeah, so you had to get out there, get running, take what opportunities are there, absorb the knowledge and experience that was offered. And if there was one thing that you had known before you began your career, is that something you want to share with the audience? Yeah, I think, um, and I'm still learning this, and I think I'll always be learning it. And it's, uh, you know, relationships matter more than than your knowledge. And I just, I'll just always keep that with me, and I've just continued to reaffirm that you know over the past several years and probably will continue to is i think a lot of times especially when you're coming out of school you go to school because you know you want to get the piece of paper you want to learn all the the technical expertise you want to be a subject matter expert and then you want to take and apply that knowledge but um i think for me specifically as well as you know when you're working in healthcare um the majority of people you work with don't have that same background so on the one side, you do have this expertise that others don't, but also at the same time, you don't fit in and there's a disconnect that way because they have a different expertise than you. So there's a, a natural kind of, um, I would say tension um, in terms of the business side of things and the clinical side of things, they can kind of work at odds, which makes healthcare very, very challenging. So like I said, it's really about building relationships talking with people, learning what drives them, why did they get into what they do, what frustrates them. Um, but even, I guess, even stepping back from that is really learning um, about people personally, just connecting with people as a person. And I think the higher up I go in my career, the more important that becomes because there's a natural, a natural disconnect between people that actually do the work and then people that oversee the work and, and uh, make the the decision, so to speak. So it's even more important that I'm able to connect with um, the staff and the other leaders that are actually, you know, running the operations and, and doing the work to to let them know that I understand or that I don't understand. Help me understand so I can I can help you and that, you know, I'm a real person. I get it. Um, things are tough. You know, how do we work together to make this better? And it's not, you know, just us trying to bark orders and um, make changes because it's what's good for business or it's, you know, industry practice. Like, how do we really connect with people? And I think that's the most important thing is, you know, the, the degree is only, it only allows you to apply for that job you're looking for. Beyond that, you know, everybody that's applying for that job and has that job has that same degree. So at that point, once, once you're in the, the talent pool, like that's, that's a, it's a, essentially a non-factor almost. So then you're from then on, like your ability to, to grow and, and be effective is really based on how well you connect with people and um, how well you can really um, convey your intentions and your personal mission and how it's it's a benefit to them and how it's a greater purpose and that and not you're not just self-serving in your role. Let me ask you this, in that, in, from, from what I'm hearing, that your brand, you have to have a brand. People have to know who you are and what what you represent, what you're about, what's your agenda. And are you, did you find yourself becoming more and more intentional about that as far as how you're projected, how you're perceived, or did you let others kind of self-define you? No, yeah, you de you definitely have to, to be very intentional about that. And I think it's just one of the things, like I said, being young, trying to come out with your school knowledge and your book knowledge and, and, you know, coming into rooms and, 
things just falling flat and you're just like, well, I read this in a textbook. It says it works. Or, <laughs> and it doesn't really always fly that way. Cause they're like, we don't know who this person is. They don't, they don't know us. Like, um, so it's like, how do you really, um, like I said, understand why you're doing what you're doing. I think is the biggest thing as a few years back, what I did, I think that was really helpful for me is kind of set back and kind of created my own personal like mission and vision. I think a lot of times we, you know, our, our organizations, we see that and they're really high and lofty and, um, but sometimes you don't, you know, exactly, you know, how do I personally align with like, what am I doing to, to, um, to bring that vision forward or what's my specific vision that makes me unique that would um, make people connect me, connect with me and, and better understand me and why I get into things. So things like I'm doing right now, telling my story with people first and, um, you know, telling about my family, where I grew up, my experiences, learning about their family and, and things like that. Like that's really what, what helps you be able to then take your, your expertise and subject matter knowledge and be able to apply that with those people to help them out. Um, but yeah, like I said, just really telling your story and knowing why you're doing what you're doing. Um, it goes a long way and you really, you got to lead with that. No, that that's great. So if you were going to give advice to someone who wanted to pursue a career similar to yours, it sounds from what I heard was that first you've got to build relationships before you start projecting you know, your knowledge you know, upon them. They've got to respect who you are from a relational aspect, right? And, yep. then, and then from there, you can start having conversations that can build toward a business relationship. But you first got to, to, to build that, that, that bridge. Is there anything else you wanted to tell someone else who, you know what, I want to be a, a director of operations or something? And, and for you, I'm very impressed, number one, because you're now at a VP COO role at CHI. So you're in the C-suite. You're a senior level uh, uh, leader, right? Correct. And you're still under 40 years old. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, correct. Correct. It's uh, it's it's definitely a blessing, man. I think one of the things is um, I always think back to my dad's uh, advice. He used to always, and he, he still brings this up to me, but um, and anybody he can in terms of you know, finding your job, finding your career is you, you find something that you like, you find something that you're good at, you find something that pays well. And I think at first, you know, trying to balance out those factors, that's what you do when you go to school. He's like, all right, job market's good for this. I'm going to get into healthcare. Um, I like healthcare. I like helping people. Um, I'm good with this. I can, you know, I've done a few classes. I'm, I'm excelling at the classes. So then you get to that point, but then, you know, that, that still leaves you at the, the, um, you're still at the entry level. Like, what do, what do I do with this? Like, I'm, I'm in a career that, that has a, a good job outlook. I, I like it and I'm good at it, but you know, that's not just, that's not going to get you to the next level. So I think um, being open to learn, there's so many different facets of, of healthcare specifically. And just like any industry, there's just, you know, even I only know certain pieces of, of healthcare and, you know, there's insurance side and there's, supplies and vendors and there's clinical side, there's non-clinical, there's there's IT, there's all kinds of things within healthcare. Um, so really being open to kind of work in different things. You I know you might think you you like this piece, but it's also important to learn about other pieces because even if that's not your go-to, it's important to be able to understand those perspectives. And you know, healthcare is very complex. So just 
be flexible and be willing to kind of move move around and work in different areas. There's quality side of things. There's a lot of things with patient experience and there's financial stuff. And it's it's very important at a um, at executive level if that's the goal is to really kind of be able to understand a little bit of that. I think one of the things that really resonated with me with um, the chief operating officer at the time at Johns Hopkins, he really defined his role as a, a master generalist. He's like, I'm not really much of a, a expert at any one thing, but my role is to really kind of be like the general contractor and to know enough about all of the various things to be able to connect the dots and put the pieces together to get the house built. So I don't know plumbing. I don't know electrical. You know, I don't know roofing, but I know a little bit enough about everything to get those groups to come together to be able to build a house. This episode is brought to you by Five Star BDM. Five Star BDM is a professional consulting and advisory group keenly focused on business development services for small to mid-sized businesses and entrepreneurs. Although every business is unique, they often share challenges that can be addressed through smart branding. Services include process improvement and operations, digital strategy and transformation, business intelligence, digital marketing, and personal branding. Our five-star business and personal branding company has helped a number of professionals and organizations to optimize and grow. The result is more business, more opportunities, better reach, positive outcomes. Please visit www.5starbdm.com to learn more and view all the episodes of Follow the Brand. That is a great, because I was going to ask you that. Are you a subject matter expert yourself? Are you, would you define yourself as a generalist or would you say yeah, I'm very, very good in this area? Yeah, I'm a, I, I think operations is still a very, like, I guess I said my subject matter expert is uh, operations, but when I explain that, it's still even hard to explain that. So I, I would, I would definitely say I'm a, a generous for sure, I guess to put it in different terms, like I'm, I'm big on like processes and strategy. So again, really just like putting all the various dots together, I think, but a lot of that just comes from my perspective of my role is, you know, there's very few people in the hospital that are actually looking at the whole hospital mm-hmm. to, to be able to put it together. So that, another way to look at it, I like to think of is, um, you know, there's people that work in the hospital and then there's people that work on the hospital. So I have a lot of people that work on the hospital. Um, but they, like I said, there's a small handful of people that have that perspective. Um, so that's why it's so important to connect with the people that actually do the work, because I only see certain things. They're actually in the units, in the departments, dealing with the patients, you know, seeing those barriers and things like that, that, that we need to be able to get past to be able to, to pull it all together. That is, that's great. So we really want to drill down into that a little bit further. And, and I know right now you're, I know you're the president of uh, Knox. I mean, very, uh, I think the first chapter in Omaha or maybe the second, I'm not real sure, but I know you're now the uh, chapter president for the National Association of Health Services Executives for the Heartland chapter, which is right there in Omaha. And the reason I bring that up, is there any you know, problem that you're working on that you're very passionate about that you want to solve with your skills and do you tie in all your associations that you work with? I know NASA is just one of them uh, that that help you in, in your mission. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, so we just uh, we were, had a blessing to be approved to found the chapter um, headquartered in Omaha, but we actually have a really uh, broad spread 
Um, we're still kind of developing. We just really got approved a few months ago, um, but we're really looking to serve Nebraska, Kansas, Kansas City, because there's actually a St. Louis chapter, um, Iowa, the Dakotas, and Minnesota, actually. So now with Zoom, I think that makes it a lot more possible to be remote and do things like that. But the you know, for those that don't know, NASI is a professional development organization to help develop and advance uh, Black healthcare leaders. Um, in addition to, you know, another organization I'm involved in is, is ACHE, which is um, professional development organization as well. Um, it's not uh, race specific, so that's kind of all across the board. I would say ACHE is, is a go-to for anybody that wants to be in healthcare, healthcare leadership for sure. Um, in terms of professional development, that's been that's been like a foundation and a really essential in my development through my career. One, moving around a lot, being able to get to a brand new city and get connected with an organization and just be able to just meet people and, and get involved right off the bat has been amazing. So when I moved to Dallas, I got involved with the, the North Texas chapter and immediately I just got networked. I was meeting people, um, getting to learn from them, mentoring people, being mentored and things like that. So that's that's been been uh, huge for me um, in terms of, you know, professional development. I think one of the things most recently I've dug into that's been something that's kind of like my my uh, passion outside the direct work I'm doing is really just the diversity, equity, inclusion thing, which is part of the reason I, I founded uh, NASI because there was no NASI chapter between St. Louis and Denver, which are a seven hour drive on either side of Omaha and then nothing north of there. So there's a whole, you know, population of, um, you know, black healthcare leaders or aspiring leaders that don't have that kind of network that that I did that was so influential in, in helping me develop. So I wanted to really um, put a platform together to be able to allow to do that. But I think one of the things I, I presented to at the Chamber of Commerce here when when COVID really first became a thing is that it's really just revealed so much of what's already existed, all these different healthcare disparities and things that we've seen in minority populations with, with COVID have pretty much always been there. It's just, it never had a magnifying glass on it. And now it has that magnifying glass on it. And now that it does, what are we doing with that information? So really taking things to the next level and, and putting that equity lens on all of the work we do. You know, we look at things like infection rates and readmissions and patient experience, but there's a, a big difference how different uh, people experience those things. So, for example, like just some small studies that, that we've seen, we did a sample a few years ago, um, men are more likely to rate us, rate us um, higher in patient experience than women are. Blacks are twice as more likely to readmit to the hospital. So different things like that. So traditionally, we've just looked at these raw numbers, but understanding now that those numbers vary greatly between different groups and how do we be more intentional about finding where those gaps are and being able to address those um, has really been my passion. So that work actually happens outside of the hospital. So the idea is we don't want, we really don't want people to come to the hospital. We want people to be healthy. Um, so how do we get in the community? How do we go beyond the walls of the hospital to help with education and workforce development you know, connect with people in the faith community and how do we kind of impact things in the community that way um, to really make things better and more equ equitable in that standpoint and get rid of as many of those health disparities as we can to make it an even playing field um, for everybody. So like I said, that's really been my passion is, you know, equity and just really community relations and 
getting beyond the, the hospital itself and getting in the community and how do we impact health overall? And that's, that's, that's a lofty goal. I applaud you for, for, for that work. Uh, and I'm glad you kind of detailed that story around how an association has helped you to, to build relationships in different cities uh, across the nation. And that's wonderful. And then you can get right to work in helping the community because a lot of these problems are, are similar, especially we know with, in, in black health, black health equity and what's happening in, those, in that realm and understanding some of the um, causes behind these types of outcomes. I think that's very, very, very good. I want to make a, a pivot here and talk a little bit more about yourself, because I think this will be interesting for our audience to know, because I know you continuously you know, learn to stay on top of things in, in your role. But before you became the vice president there at CHI, and you had five or six months that you weren't working, you were at Baylor Scott, what do you think was the difference maker between why did they pick you as opposed to someone else when you got the role uh, there at CHI? Yeah, you know, the, I think uh, there's a there's a few different things. I think a lot of um, organizations do gravitate towards the um, kind of the diversity of my background. Um, one being geographically, I've worked in a lot of different places across the the country. So there's there's variances and different things you can learn and pros and cons that way of working in different parts of the country. Um, I've also worked in several different departments within a hospital. Like I said, healthcare is bigger than hospitals. So there's still a lot of stuff that I haven't done, obviously. But, you know, there's the supply chain side, there's the lab, there's, you know, nursing, there's the quality side, there's a lot of different areas that I've kind of dabbled in that I was able to do through, you know, through consulting. Um, and then I think the other thing that, that helps me stand out a lot is not just the geographic difference of where I work, but just the different scopes of the work I've done. So working places like small rural hospitals to places as large as Johns Hopkins, there's a lot of different political complexities and challenges that come with each of them. And being able to have that experience to see the pros and cons of each and be able to bring some of that insight um, from those places where um, a lot of other people haven't, you know, had the experience to, to work in places like that, um, I think really helps me, helps me stand out from a, um, from like a resume job background standpoint. And then I would say, going back to the personal brand piece, I mean, I really lead with my story, kind of how we started off this conversation here and talking about why I got in healthcare, why I'm in healthcare, why I do this work, what my personal passion is of how I contribute to the work that's being done. Um, and I think that really resonates as opposed to just saying like, you know, hey, I've done this, I've done that, I can do this, I've experienced doing that. You know, a lot of people can put stuff on a resume and have experience doing things, but the real differentiator um, is being able to work with people and, and that passion and, and having that connection and that drive, um, I think is really what, what makes the difference. I think that's, uh, that you've kind of laid it out you kind of laid it out right there that you know what made you stand out above others that were looking for a similar position and you're coming from the outside in and you were able to be successful in in landing that and are you learn i mean how do you stay on top are are you constantly you know how, how do you get your information in it and learn different things yeah i think well i think that goes back to the other thing i uh, try to focus on and really 
be intentional about in my interviews is that I'm I'm just a learner. That's how I've always been. I remember being a kid and being at the kitchen table and we had a placemat when, you know, when people actually used to sit down and eat dinner together um, at a table. Uh, we had a placemat and it had all the different states across the country and it had the capitals and I would go and memorize the, the capitals. And I remember every single night I'd want to be quizzed on the capitals and I knew them all to the point. I just kept, I was like, we need another country. It's like, I always wanted to learn more. That's always been, been my thing. So really being a student of the industry, I think has helped me out a lot. So in addition to just the fact that I've worked various different places is, you know, I really like to learn how other people approach the same problems, you know, the, the interesting thing about having worked at very small rural hospitals and large hospitals like Johns Hopkins is while there's a lot of differences, we're all really looking at the same thing. We have the same overall goal. We have very similar challenges. Um, so really being intentional about just reaching out to people and, you know, there's different websites and resources, you know, there's things like, you know, Becker's website and um, advisory board. And there's a lot of different white papers and journals and like I said, ACHE and, and NASI have great resources and they really help curate a lot of the different information of what's going on and trends in healthcare and things like that. But just really being intentional and being astute about things like that um, to understand how things are changing, how other people are doing things, what's worked, what hasn't worked, and you know how can I apply or tweak those kind of concepts. So it's just, it's really an ongoing thing. And that's that's the beauty of healthcare is it, it changes that way. Because I mean, they could change a law next year and say, hey, we're not reimbursing this procedure anymore in this kind of setting. And then you have to figure out like, how am I still going to provide great care and the, the proper funding to be able to achieve that, um, that goal and those, those changes and being able to adapt like that is, is huge. So you're, it's always on your toes. That is wonderful. Uh, again, you articulated uh, what you do. Some of your secret sauce would uh, motivate you uh, to, to push yourself forward. I wanted to ask, I know you do some mentoring. Do you do you personally have a mentor and are you aspiring to even grow further, maybe lead an entire uh, regional organization or an entire system? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think um, I think my ultimate goal, like I really, and it's, it's extremely lofty and um, because things are so nuanced, I don't know, you know exactly how it's to turn about, but I mean, I, wonder, I really want to help change the healthcare system. I feel like we do things backwards we, we really tout and prioritize, you know, all of the amazing procedures and um, different things we could do to save people's lives, as opposed to putting more of that energy and money and emphasis on not needing to save people's lives because they're staying healthy where they are and they don't need to come to, to the hospital to get a new heart or get a new liver and, and things like that. So how do we kind of really change that, that dynamic? And I think industry starting to get there, but there needs a lot more, needs to be a lot more catalysts that are really kind of pushing towards that of um, kind of just flipping the way we do things on its head. So um, one of the things I'm really interested in is how other people in the world even do it, not even just, you know, because our health system, while you go state to state, I mean, it's still, you know, federal regulation. So, you know, how do they do things in Sweden? How do they do things in Spain? How do they do things in Germany and things like that? And I think COVID has kind of opened our eyes to that piece as well, because that's one of the things we were looking at closely is, you know, how is Italy managing uh, COVID patients or you know, how is, you know, Poland doing or something, things like that. So um, that's one of the things that, that I'm trying to, to get to is to be at a point where I can kind of help influence the, the way healthcare works, but still be on the, um, 
the delivery side. I like being in the middle of, you know, getting into the politics and understanding and advocating for um, certain things that people need and ways we need to change how things work, but then also being on the side where I'm working somewhere in a place where that, that care is actually happening. And I'm not just, you know, in a boardroom making these decisions and, and um, doing this research and, and calling these shots, but actually seeing how those things are lived out and where those, those opportunities are. So I can kind of play the middle. So I'd, I'd love to eventually, you know, lead a whole healthcare system to really see how we can improve healthcare overall, make it cheaper, make it more effective, make it faster, make it easier, all those, all those different things. Wow, that, that's very, very lofty. And I think because of value-based care, the industry is looking to, to change toward preventative care. I don't think a lot of our audience even understands that the U.S. healthcare has the fifth largest GDP in the entire world, meaning yeah, the, the economy funny. within healthcare is bigger than Russia. I think it's twice as big as Russia. It's only behind like Japan and, um, and China uh, or something to that effect as far as how much uh, how much money and transactions are taking place in the U.S. healthcare? One, I think it's twenty. I think it's twenty percent of the entire U.S. economy, or something like that. So it's huge, and, yeah, and way and too expensive. Way too expensive, and then it's not not, and you don't get the best outcomes. No, <laughs> we, it's it's the most expensive, but we have some of the 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 worst health outcomes. Like we have amazing procedures. People fly from all over the world to to get certain procedures from us. But, you know, as a population, like our population is not very healthy compared to a lot of countries like uh, some of the Norwegian countries that spend way less money on healthcare and have way more healthier people. Exactly. And then there's something wrong with that. And we, yeah. we've got to fix that. So I love having people like yourself in your position, take a look at that because you can make a serious impact on the populations uh, as far as change. I think that's wonderful. Um, so before I leave, before we leave you, I want to give you the mic and say whatever it is that you want to leave as far as a lasting impression on the audience. If you want to talk about you know, some of your beliefs or any kind of rules of engagement that you've developed as a result of your experience, anything along those lines, the mic is yours. Yeah, I appreciate it. I think just, I know, because we're trying to keep in the theme of, of brands, um, your brand is huge. So really starting to think about that and, you know, it's, it's never too soon to think about what your brand is, what makes you unique. Um, and I think I, I read a book that was pretty interesting. It was actually about sales and somebody introduced it to me. Um, and I think a lot of times what, and I even found this out, it resonated with me too, is like we get in spaces and we're doing interviews and we're, we're talking in groups. We're trying to get people to agree with us. We're trying to fit in. We're trying to assimilate. And I think one of the, the things that really um, makes a difference is what makes you different. So as opposed to, to trying to uh, present yourself in a way that everybody connects with and you're all talking the same language is how do you differentiate yourself and find yourself in positions where you're actually teaching people things? So being able to bring up topics where people are like, oh, I never thought of that as opposed to, oh, yeah, I totally agree. I get that. You know, we're all on the same page. That seems like what you want to go for from a um, from a connection standpoint, but which which it is. But there's there's that X factor that that really um, how do you how do you provide something new and introduce something new to the equation 
that um, that gets people thinking differently um, about things, whether whatever that topic is. So, you know, how do you find your niche that way and, and position yourself as as somebody that that has a, a different perspective, a different skill set that while you can fit in, you still have a little a little edge and, and some a differentiator that, that really makes you different and, and stand out over other people. Um, the other thing I would say is, as you may have heard over the past several minutes, you know, I think really big. Um, and one of the things I've had to learn is though, you gotta, when you think big, you gotta start small though. And I think that's just a constant thing that I'm always gonna be wrestling with because I think so big, you know, you have to really, you have to really shrink things down and, and start small and, and really kind of work from the ground up. So the, the quicker you're able to understand that in terms of understanding the big vision, but realizing that you're going to have to start really small to get there and, and build your way up, um, I think is essential. Uh, personally, for me, as a brand, one of the things I focused on was, was LinkedIn, actually. Um, I'm not a social media person. I have no other social media outlets. My wife makes fun of me for it. Um, she, she says that's why I'm always on LinkedIn because I don't have an Instagram or a Facebook or anything like that. So, um, but I didn't actually have LinkedIn until actually a couple years ago. And I think that's, that's been huge in helping me connect and not only getting myself out there and being visible and being able to comment and share and put my own spin and, um, kind of personal brand on, on different things in, in the industry and the workforce but also being able to connect with other people. So I encourage people to just, you know, reach out to people. Like if you're looking for a mentor or a mentee, just, I don't know how many people have reached out to me, just kind of like a cold message on LinkedIn and say, Hey, you know, if I saw your background, I see your post, you know, I love what you're doing. I'd love to chat. I do the same thing with other people. Um, so I think that's huge. It's just really being able to, to connect with people and, and don't be afraid to put yourself out there. People are amazingly receptive, willing to share a lot of information. And that's, really where I think I learned the most is from other people and hearing their stories and their journey and, you know, their failures and successes and comparing that with my own, it, it really uh, kind of helps me grow personally. So that's where I would really say to lean on is from that, um, from that branding perspective, like I said, use LinkedIn, network with people um, and just really put yourself out there. Well, you, you said it, you said a mouthful right there. You're talking to, uh, the choir, you talked to me as far as utilizing LinkedIn. And I'm going to applaud you because I've seen your work. I've seen what you're doing. You're branding the uh, the, the newly, uh, uh, I would say, chartered chapter for NASI there in Omaha. And you're putting, not just posting, you're putting impactful information. You're putting things out there that are, are needed, you know, in the community that people need to know about. You're highlighting certain individuals. You're putting information out there about opportunities, whether they're job opportunities or people that have gotten uh, different uh, promotions. I really, really, you know, I applaud that. And I love the way you're saying, this is how you network. Even though we're in, in COVID and you don't have the physical presence that we normally had, you do have the virtual presence and it can be very, very effective if you know how to, to use it. Absolutely. So, I want to thank you for being on Follow the Brand. You are have been wonderful. We look forward to the release of this particular uh, episode that will be coming out here shortly. I guess the audience is hearing it right now first. You know, So thank you very much, Mr. Anthony Ashby. You can tune in to Follow the Brand also on our website at www.5starbdm. That's B for brand, B for development, and for master's. And we're building a brand that you can follow. 
So we appreciate all of our followers. Until next week, take care.